slow down, flip us over, and celebrate. The Turn Turtles are here! Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Turn Turtles Board Gaming Podcast. My name's Andrew, I'm one of your hosts, and I'm so excited that you're here with us today. We're so excited to be here on this new podcasting project, and we're excited to sit down and talk about some board games. But most of all, we're excited that you're here with us, sharing this experience with us. So come on, let's get off of this old log and jump into this beautiful pond that's just filled with board games. And let's start a show. <laughs> so Mr. Matthew, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. You can call me Matt if you want. I will call you Matt most, nice. most assuredly. So tell me, Matt. How are you? Yes. How, how are you doing? Don't just tell me you're doing fine. Tell me, tell me something great that's happened to you today or in the last week. Um, there's a couple things that have really made my week. One of which is finishing a big job at work, which is really nice. I finally finished my brother's renovation, which is awesome. Oh, really? You're all done there now? Yeah, yeah. Finished Sweet. it. Up, you got never done. have to go to his house again. Well, I hope not. That's, yeah, that's, the, that's the goal. <laughs> that's that's the dream. I get it. Yeah, absolutely. And today I remembered how good Irish music is, and I just went down an Irish music Spotify rabbit hole. It's just so great. I love that's, it. That sounds awesome. And Meej, how are you? How are you doing today? Oh, you know, I'm pretty great. Excellent. What about you? Did you have anything exceptional happen over this last week? Well, you might say that I got a new job. You did. I actually didn't know this. Did. I, I didn't know this either. No, only Matt. Okay. I did know. Yeah. Well, would so you like to I was, divulge a little? Yeah, I was hired at Shalom Manor as a PSW oh, okay. on Thursday. Yep. So I'll be switching over in about two weeks. Excellent. Yeah. Right, so you're excited to, because I know you've done that previously, and you're excited to go back to PSW again? Yeah, it's been about three years now, and I'm excited to get back into it. I'm hoping that it turns into more of a uh, teaching position. Um, that's kind of the long-term goal, and there seems to be wheels rolling in that direction, so that's pretty great. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I know they're they're very desperate for help lately or they they need a lot of pdf psws so yeah, yeah. no that's well, obviously yeah. they hired me yeah well, true. i'm not that great <laughs> that, that's not what i was getting at all right let's move over to adam adam how are you doing today you're our fourth co-host today the most uh lovely baritone in the in the seven seas so baritone i'm trying not to be baritone but I don't have a whole <laughs> lot of control over that, so I can talk like this, and we'll just see. I think what you happens. sound beautiful. So how how are you doing today? I'm doing super good. Yeah, uh, I've been playing quite a bit of this uh, small indie game you may have heard of called Mario Kart. Um, Never heard of it. It's you know very sort of cult classic kind of a thing. Playing with my mm. kids. Um, this adorable thing has started happening this week, where my one year old yells "Go." at the green light at the start of a race with a <laughs> beep, 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 go. And then you're too late if you listen to him. It is true. <laughs> say, you got to do it right after the two. And it's yeah. super distracting because it's super cute. And he, likes, he looks for laughs every time he does it. But um, yeah, I'm doing good. Excited to be here. Very cool. Yeah, I'm excited too. Um, excited to get this project underway. Recording this here but for the Andrew, first time for sure. And... What what happened for you this week? Yeah, so I finished. Um, I had a charity stream over the weekend. Uh, I was doing part of Extra Life, and um, so Extra Life is a big stream in event where yeah, they do a board gaming event earlier in the year. But I was doing the video game this uh, event this weekend, and we're raising money for sick kids hospitals. So and I was able to raise just over a thousand dollars US, which is super sweet, more than double my previous high score. So I was super happy with that. That was a great time, and uh, this was yeah, your third I, year, fourth year, fourth, yeah, fourth year fourth. doing it, yeah. And then uh, even or another happy point was just being able to clean up afterwards and hooking all my stuff back up to my TV because it was a big mess, <laughs> and now it is not a big mess anymore, and it was nice and neat. So uh, yeah, but that's enough of non-board gaming talk. Let's jump into what some of the board games that we've been playing. So, Adam, let's start with you. What have you been playing lately? Um, 
So uh, something that will probably come up every once in a while, just kind of uh, spice it in, is I'm slowly uh, trying to become not terrible at chess. And right. uh, I'm working through this book called Logical Chess by Irving Chernev, I think is how okay. that would be pronounced. Uh, it's one that was uh, suggested to me by quite a few people, and it's it's neat because it plays through famous games and kind of step-by-step step teaches you what they might have been thinking when they were playing those games. Right. Um, so chess occasionally uh, you know, takes part in some of my week. Um, the, but apart from that, um, some time ago, you and I and some others played uh, Tortuga. 1667 by Facade Games, I think is how I would that pronounce that. Sounds right to For me. For sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is this fun little game where uh, you're stealing booty from a Spanish galleon in a pirate-themed sort of game. Um, it's very much communication-based. Uh, there's very few cards. There's secret events. And there's a not- anonymous voting. And... Um, you have these fun pirate-themed actions depending on uh, where you are in the map, which defines whether you're a captain or a king of the island. And uh, it's fun. You can play up to nine people. I have never played with that many, but I'd like to because uh, it gets crazier, I would imagine. Right. And uh, 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 the only other thing is uh, last week with Matt and his lovely wife, we paid, played Seasons. Uh, which was that game, was so a game good. that had been on my radar for a little while. Yeah, Seasons is really good. That's one of my favorites as well. I really liked it. Need to try it. Uh, Who designed it, Adam? Um, oh, boy. It's <laughs> clearly uh, designed by Régis Bonassé. Oh, Hannah would be proud. Oh, nice. Uh, that sounded real it. good. I think so. Uh, which is a lovely magic-themed card drafting game, but I have some stuff to say about this one later, so I'm going to... Uh, save it for then very Suspense. cool yeah no kidding uh Mish, what about you what do you what have you been playing oh well what's been on my mind a lot is betrayal at house on the hill and definitely an older game but a really good classic um almost always play it with the no i always play it with the widow's walk expansion which is technically not published by the same company but the designer basically okayed it um by Bruce Glasgow. Um, It's one of the earlier hidden trader games where you're building out a house and exploring a haunted house. It's an interesting one. A lot of people don't love it because it's very unbalanced, but it's just such a fun time and so many unexpected things happen and mechanics that you would never think about because halfway through every game, the rules change. Mm -hmm. Um, And you have so many different story designers making these different adventures and it's random which one you come up with. If you have the expansion, there's a hundred different ones. Um, How many do you think you've played at this point? Oh, I was thinking about that earlier. Probably around 40, I would guess, not including Legacy. Not including the Legacy Edition. Um, And almost every single one of them is completely unbalanced and unfair. Um, (laughs) either it's way too easy for the trader or it's way too easy for the players, but it's just such a fun time exploring and playing with the mechanics that it's worth a lot. That one's much more about the story, I think, eh? Like the story and the the two mechanics where you're like building a house as you play and also where people have to go and like figure out what their mission is in a different room. Both of those mechanics sort of blew my mind the first time we ever played it. It was just kind of, at the time for me, it was very novel and cool so the absolutely yeah and that's kind of why i still love it like we'll talk about it later on but i love when games surprise you and this game surprises me almost every time so yeah very cool betrayal um another game that i played with adam and matt and hannah matt's wife i think that is my wife you're right That, that's your wife <laughs> yeah i sometimes forget because of the other game i'm going to talk about in a minute it gets very confusing fair enough um we played gizmos designed by phil walker harding it's extremely it's a very fun game the theme is kind of plain and vanilla you're basically creating these machines using energy which is represented by marbles that comes out of a hopper um but it's it's an engine builder and it's super exciting when 
your one gizmo powers another gizmo powers another gizmo powers another gizmo and it just chains all over the place um hard to explain that one without looking at it but very fun game and the third one just gonna hog the mic here for a minute ladies and gentlemen by no idea how to say this loic lammy there's an umlaut in there so i don't really know this game is honestly one of the funniest games i've played to date Adam, Matt, Hannah, and I played it. Um, two of you play the ladies. Two of you play the gentlemen. The gentlemen have to play the stock market and then try to buy the right dresses for their wives to go to the ball and win <laughs> points. And it is... Being Matt's wife during that game was very, very funny. <laughs> yeah. And thoroughly Again. enjoyable, for sure. I yeah. assume being well, my wife course. in any capacity is just the best. I assume so. I mean, you poured me a <laughs> cup of tea, so. Well, there you go. How much better can it get? <laughs> I do that for anyone, so. Mm. <laughs> what about oh, you, so, Andrew? What yeah, about- yeah, so over this last week, I got to play um, a game called Steam by Martin Wallace, uh, published by Mayfair Games. I uh, played a three player game with a couple of my friends, Mark and Greg. Uh, it's a heavy, heavy train train game lots of interesting mechanics like uh taking loans and auctions pick up and delivery tie up placement um yeah and there's lots of cool decisions to be made you, you start the game right away with with zero dollars and you have to take a bank loan out to start doing any actions <laughs> so so the very first thing you have to do is ju- just take a loan and just hope for the best i suppose so you need to be yeah take that loan and invest it into building railroads and upgrading your train and stocking cities with goods that you can ship to other cities uh, and it's really easy to potentially just bankrupt yourself right off the off the top of the game like if you take out too much and you can't start making any income back you're you're it's very possible to bankrupt yourself and just get yourself kicked out of the game pretty much right within the first couple of turns and so, then you're uh, just out yeah, yeah, it's possible to just get kicked out of the game if you have no income and you just can't pay your debts. Uh, but uh, yeah, Mark kind of coached us through the first couple of turns because he had played it a few times, uh, just helping us make, or just to prevent us make from making too, too dumb of a decision. But uh, so after you take your initial loan, the first thing you have to do is figure out how much money you want to wager on being the first person to go. So you're you're bidding on turn order. So, so that's your second. Um, big decision you have to make right away without really knowing much about or in my case it was my first time playing so i i didn't know uh really what to expect but yeah so the second decision you're making is um yeah deciding turn order and yeah if you don't uh if you don't know how much that's going to affect the game that's really hard to bid but uh it turns out it affects the game quite a bit uh so because going going first in turn order lets you pick your power first it lets you build your railroads and it lets you ship your goods first which really combats a lot of the competitive competitiveness of the game because you cubes are or goods are are global. Anyone can ship a good as long as they control the the routes between the cities. Um, At any point, do you ride the trains like uh, a stabbing hobo? No, you don't get to ride any of the trains. You are basically in control of the uh, the train companies. Yeah, it just lost a ranking, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, any any player can ship a good from one city to another city. Um, like a blue good needs to get shipped to a blue city. A yellow good needs to be shipped to a yellow city, and and so on and so forth. Uh, and you can only control, or you can only ship goods along routes that you control. Um, control the highest share in so i could control two train links and adam could control one and i could still use that pathway but then we'd kind of have to split points in in like a two to one ratio kind of thing oh uh, yeah um and then yeah the longer a longer you or the longer your train routes go um the more points you'll score the more um yeah the more points you'll score or the more income you'll gain and uh, it sounds like a game with a lot of where every decision is super crucial. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Does do you find that detracts from it, especially in your first playthrough, if it's that complicated jumping in? No, I love this game so much. Um, but I, I yeah. like that sort of thing. Like, uh, um, yeah, I really enjoy having a bunch of different variables and trying to make the best decision in in a given situation. 
Um, I got a little bit fortunate in this game because Greg and Mark ended up fighting over one area of the board and I had um, my own kind of area to myself where I was able to ship my cubes that they weren't really in there trying to fight for them, at least not for the first bunch of, uh, bunch of turns in the game. So that worked out pretty well for me. I'm assuming uh, Mark won because he'd played a couple times before. He did not. Oh no, Mark, no, what I, happened? No. Go, Greg, go. <laughs> so basically what happened to Mark was he got into a couple really bad bidding wars for trying to go first. Um, so the thing is, you need to upgrade your locomotive so your locomotive can travel <coughs> to more cities or to cities further away. And then the better your locomotive it is, is the further it can travel and the more points you get. So you really want to go first because there's only one action that lets you upgrade your locomotive. And if you're not the one to uh... get first. So if you don't win the win the bid for first place whoever does is probably taking the locomotive at least for the first bunch of turns until you get to the point where you're kind of kind of happy with how far you can transport goods um so mark ended up getting into a couple of just bidding wars trying to get that first place one and then not winning them but still losing out on his money so that's how the bidding works is you you can wager the money that you have and if you're the first one to kind of bail out of the the bidding process, you're okay. You're going to go last, but you don't have to spend any money. But if you're in second place or first place, you have to spend whatever money you're you're bidding. So if you're bidding each other up and up and up and up and up, you could. I think at one point Mark ended up losing twenty bucks, and then he still ended up having to go second because oh, no. bid twenty one or or something to that effect. Anyway, <laughs> so so there was a couple turns like that that I think kind of burned Mark, but. Uh, no, but overall, I really enjoyed the game, and I'm very excited to jump into that one again. I'll um, have to try that, too. Yeah, for sure. Sounds like it's uh, not the most uh, surface level or simple game. It sounds deep. Is that accurate? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's like uh, like Mijo was saying, there's lots of lots of deci- decisions to make. That's good. And yeah, the uh, the other game I played this week is on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, uh, Sushi Go, also by Phil Walk- Walker Harding, which was fun. I didn't realize that until just now, and published by Game Right. And that's just a, a fun little drafting set collection game. Uh, you start with a hand of cards, you choose one, and then pass your hand to another player. And your goal is just to uh, collect sets sets of sushi, uh, some score in pairs, and some are in sets of three, or you just get more points for the more you have, that sort of thing. And uh, yeah, it's just a fun little game to play at the end of a game night when you have like half an hour, but you don't really want to go home yet. So that, that's basically what we did uh, the other night. Just played around to that. I would suggest Sushi Go Party if you're looking at Sushi Go. Yeah, it just I've has heard, more sushi. Right, I've heard about that one, and because I've had sushi, or because I've had Sushi Go for a long time, I haven't picked up Party, but I would yeah, like party's fun. Yeah, it it has more sushi types, so more combo like different scoring mechanisms. Right. And I don't remember, does the base game have dessert? It just has the pudding. Or is that just in party? Ha- okay, yeah, party has a lot more desserts. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, this is a fun one. I uh I cost Angela the game because I hate drafted a sashimi from her, so she had two out of three and I grabbed the last <laughs> sashimi. Cost her ten points, and then I think Adam ended up beating her by less than ten points. So Yeah. So. I did, it was <laughs> it was my first round and I did pretty well. It's yeah. it's yeah, which is mostly just luck of the draw, I think, but I really yeah. liked the kind of frantically trying to look around and see what everyone else did well, and whether what, Yeah, what they're trying to collect, yeah. Yeah. It uh, makes it frantic and kind of fun. Mm-hmm. What about you, Matt? What you what have you been playing? I was able to pick up Sonar and Discovery Lands Unknown at Princess Auto for fifteen bucks each, which is pretty sweet. And <laughs> I actually looked, deal. looked on Board Game Geek the other day, and in their hot deals that was in there, so I oh, got really? it before the hot deal was announced on Board Game Geek, which is cool. And oh, man, you're setting the trend. I, I didn't make the post, but I guess so. That guy must have been spying on me or something. But I was able to play Discovery Lands Unknown, which is designed by, let's go, Corey Konitska. Konitska. Sounds, sounds good to me. And published by Fantasy Flight. And that's a, a fun exploration game where you can play several different scenarios. And you got to explore around the map using action points and trying to investigate different places and then eventually try to make your way off of the island. I played it with Mij the first time we'd ever played it and 
What's really cool about Discovery Lands Unknown is each copy of the board game is unique. So there are two different land types, like terrain types, that you can get. So I got Snowy Mountains and uh, an island, and I believe there's a jungle, and my board games aren't behind me, so I can't see that anymore. Desert, maybe? Desert. I think yeah, desert. I think it's desert. Yeah. Yeah. So I got snowy mountains and the island, and then it is very specific about which scenarios you play with which terrain type. And it says right under the title, on the islands, you play scenario one and four, I think. And we picked snowy mountains. And so that was on me. It did not work. No, you had to escape by boat, and there are no boats in the snowy mountains. So that was funny. We played through it a bit anyway, and we we fumbled our way through, and it was fun. And I also got. To- we still had a we still had a fun time until I got to where the boat we thought the boat should have been, and realized <laughs> yeah. it wasn't there. So it wasn't like it was a complete waste of time. Right, and yeah, just experiencing the game too. And I got to play that with Hannah last Saturday. And we did the actual island terrain type with the first scenario, and we enjoyed it. She, we didn't finish it. We lost in the end. But then I actually played solo the next night, and I was able yeah. to finish it. And I think it is easier solo because you're incurring less penalty because you can choose to end at a campfire so you don't pull a threat card, that kind of thing. More often than if you're playing uh, the cooperative game with several other people. So that was enjoyable. It had a lot of Seventh Continent vibes. And for $15 as opposed to the $100 plus of Seventh Continent, it was also, to me, seemed a little easier. I'm not sure I like it more or less than Seventh Continent. I didn't love Seventh Continent. For the four scenarios that you'll get to play and probably play it three times per scenario, eh, I'll probably play them all. Yeah, it is worth 15 (laughs) bucks for sure. The other games that I played, uh, I played Dominion with my wife, Hannah, and we will play this at least twice a week. We have every expansion for it except for Nocturne, and we have uh, pre-ordered Allies, which is coming out in December. And that is a deck-building game, probably the preeminent deck-building game that's out there. It is super enjoyable if you're new-ish to board games, or even if you've been in there a long time. I would definitely recommend Dominion. I would love to get Dominion or play more Dominion, but there's just so many expansions out, it's incredibly daunting at this point. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. uh, But you don't even need to get them all. If you start with either the base game or Intrigue, both of them are standalone. Okay. Then, yeah, just get one of them. And for the average board gamer, one is enough. Maybe Mm -hmm. one expansion. It'll take you a long time to get through all the cards. Absolutely. Like a long time. Hannah and I have done that, though. We've gone through, we had the, the deck of Kingdom cards. And we went through them all. And actually, we played that if nobody bought that specific kingdom card, we wouldn't switch it out until someone had bought it during one game. So we went through all the cards. And we also borrowed Seven Wonders Duel, designed by Antoine Bauza, Bruno Cathala, and published by Repo Production. And this is a two-player version of... Seven of Seven Wonders, which is a seven-player card drafting game, which is also pretty introductory into the hobby and enjoyable for, I would say, the first half of year that you own it, and then you can get rid of it. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's my opinion. See, I totally disagree with that. I love that game, especially with the expansion. You're okay. talking about Duel now. Yeah, yeah, I meant Seven Wonders. We've played... Oh, yeah, I yeah. agree with that. For okay. sure. <laughs> we played two games of Duel, and it is very simple, and it's been... It was enjoyable, and we'll probably play a few more before I, I give it back to my buddy Brandon. But, yeah. And we have not played with any expansions with it. Did you have? And do you... Mm-hmm. So I didn't know there was an expansion. There are two expansions. Um, I've only played 
the one. So it's more... So Seven Wonders is meant to be kind of historical, loosely historical. Um, so the one expansion is based on the Greek pantheon. Um, the other expansion is based on the Roman political system. So my friend Daryl has both. We've played the Roman political system a bunch. I forget what it, exactly what it's called. Um, but it adds a lot to the game. So the reason it feels simple, I think, is because you only have one thing essentially you do a turn and that's take a card from the the tableau of cards that's shared what the expansion does is it add op it adds a bunch of options for what you can do with that card um so it just adds a whole bunch of choice and different mechanics for you to be able to win so okay. definitely worth checking out if you enjoy the base game yeah i think we might need to borrow that expansion just to spice it up a little so let's see and, of course, I played Seasons with Adam and Hannah as well. Okay, so let's head into the news. So before every episode, we scour the internet searching for all of the latest and greatest board gaming news. And by scour, I mean whatever we happen to notice while surfing the web. And by latest and greatest, I mean a topic or two that appeals to us <laughs> the most. <laughs> so what I've bumped into this week, um, yeah, the first thing I, that I came across was the Skyrim the Skyrim board game is currently, uh, I was going to say Kickstarter, but it's not Kickstarter. It is, what is it? GameFound. Game it's on GameFound right now. And um, yeah, I briefly looked over the, the campaign for this one. I'm not particularly interested. It seems also it, there's comments that likened it to Seventh Continent, but also, uh, yeah, it's uh. a couple campaigns or whatever. It's got some cool little Skyrim figures, but it's just uh, mostly notable because now Sky. Skyrim is in cardboard form as well. So <laughs> they ran not, out of places to port it. Right. It's been on Alexa <laughs> for a couple of years now and uh we're 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 really happy to see Skyrim be imported over to cardboard as well. <laughs> uh and other than that, the um second the second print team for the Stardew Valley game are yeah, pre orders are up for that. I was able to sing myself a copy and there's still some available if anyone else is yet interested. Um but yeah, it's just a new printing of the, of the game. It's um, There's been a few minor improvements from what I've been reading. New component tray and some minor errata on some of the cards. But uh, yeah, my wife and I are both big fans of Stardew Valley, so we're excited to pick this one up. I don't actually know much about the board game at all. So uh, In my head, I imagine it's like... What's that other? Agricola. I imagine it's like a colorful Agricola. I don't know if that's accurate, but Maybe. that's what I think of. All I think of, because the video game is kind of like this, is extremely wholesome, slightly boring, and at times stressful <laughs> gameplay. Well, so I'm excited. We're, we're going to find out. Yeah. It yeah. comes, it comes with great. the tape and there's random whale sounds every once in a while. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> you get to pick your pet at the beginning and the color of your overalls. Right. Right. <laughs> it's going to be great. I did yeah, see on the website that it warned any players, anybody that was going to buy it, that it's not a light game. It's definitely <laughs> something like... It's a legit board yeah, game. Yeah, exactly. Which excites me. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. happy for that. But yeah, I can definitely see how but that's again, a turnoff for... Like, it's a it's a hugely popular video game, and you're going to be bringing in new people. Yeah. Like, but that follows the trend of the video game, too, because if you look at the advertisements for the video game Stardew Valley, you might think it's a ripoff of Animal Crossing. And then you start playing it and you realize, <laughs> no, this is this is yeah. deep and hard. Yeah, yeah. It's the same the Crossing. grandma from buying it for yeah, like her I was eight year old say, or something. Maybe don't throw shade at Animal Crossing. <laughs> no, I love Animal Crossing. That was not meant to be a diss. Yeah. It's just they're very different, oh, but they look kind of similar. Agreed. <laughs> no, I play Animal Crossing quite frequently, actually. <laughs> All right, Matt, anything catch your eye this week? Uh, yes, I. Uh, Facebook targeted ads are really killing me lately, and uh, <laughs> uh, I had to put the, the a pronunciation key in here because I was want to call it hegemony. But Hegemony, mm -hmm. Lead Your Class to Victory, is on Kickstarter. When this podcast airs, it should have 13 days left, I think. And that seems like a, a ridiculously cool concept to me. It's a two-to-four player game. And, and I forgot to copy over the 
<laughs> the actual quote. So if you bear with me for a second. Sure. It comes with a free educational booklet with every pledge. Uh-huh. It's a... So, Hegemony, Legion Class to Victory, is a unique asymmetric, card-driven 1-4 player board game experience about politics and the economy. A whole nation in a box is what they say on the Kickstarter page. And I watched a video on it, and it looks super interesting. So, if you're playing a two-player game, then you have the capitalist class playing against the working class. And the capitalist class is building the factories and generally being the capitalist class and they earn points that through that system and the working class has to work at those factories and use those goods that are being made they get points <laughs> that way and the third player if you have one would be the middle class and they do a bit of both bouncing back and forth and most interesting to me i think would be a four-player game where the fourth player is the state and all four of you are um working together but also against each other just like in real life i suppose there's public <laughs> and private sector businesses and you yeah it just it seems very interesting i don't know if i'll back it don't think i will but is it an I'll, expensive one or um i'm looking at it now and it says 59 euros 68 us dollars oh, yeah. but then you got to ship it too that's not always kills yeah. me yeah so, shipping's usually br brutal here right i think one of the most interesting things i see about it is the amazing dynamics between the characters if you role play a little oh, bit oh man that would be like, my favorite part a lot of a lot of games like this like a lot of euro games you're all playing the same role like with power grid you're all just a power baron Right. But with this, you have a specific role, and the capitalist can just lord it over the working class. The middle class is trying to keep the peace, and the state is just sitting there being like, pay me taxes. Like, it's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. So it's about 85 Canadian dollars plus shipping, so... Yeah. Yeah. I don't know now, if we got... is, is it worth yeah. getting the Kickstarter, or just worth getting it when it comes out here? Oh, I don't know. You want I'm, the educational not booklet? A clue. Nah, I don't really care about yeah. the educational booklet. <laughs> I don't know. Estimated so delivery be... is next year around this time, so yeah, so it might be worth just waiting until it comes out and I think see so. what happens. Yeah, it's super but colorful it... too. The color scheme was like oh, yeah. everything's saturated through the roof. Very yeah. pretty game. Definitely one that I'm gonna keep my eye on for sure, and maybe we'll just get Mark to kickstart it. Yeah, Mark. <laughs> All right, what about uh, you, Mish? Oh, me. Sorry, I was looking at that Kickstarter. Um, okay. So, as you guys know, I'm very, very colorblind, and that is really irksome when you're playing board games a lot of the time. Um, some games are getting much better. Ticket to Ride has always been outstanding in the field making sure it's colorblind friendly look at your copy it's it has symbols instead of just colors and it's beautiful um one game that i bought a while ago that i was very excited and i'm still quite excited for was maglev metro by how do we say that bezier 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 games um <laughs> your guess is as good as mine it is yeah it's designed by Ted Elspash. Again, my pronunciation is probably terrible. Um, yeah, who's a great designer. But the problem is, part of the game is picking up these robots and delivering them to stations so that they can make your subway system better so that you can bring more people to their jobs. But the gold robots and the copper robots look identical even to people who aren't colorblind. Yeah, they're pretty similar for sure. They're pretty similar. Um, and there's another two colors. The people are um, pastel colors. So the purple and the lilac also. I don't remember if that's the names of them, but there's two colors that look the same. Um, so one night I went on the Board Game Geek forums and started complaining about this. And Bezier replied to me directly and said, oh no, we tested it with colorblind people. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't I, I don't want to throw shade because they are a great company. Yeah. And the news that I'm bringing, a long rambling way of getting there, is they have released um, 
uh, pay shipping to replace the copper robots with new copper robots that are a different color. Um, yeah, so my news is if you have maglev, go buy those replacement copper robots. Mine will be in the mail hopefully this week, and I can talk about them again next time. Um, but it is good to see that board game companies are looking at this kind of thing and making sure everyone can play their games because um, I think it's important. So those are free. Yeah. You just yeah, have to sure. pay the shipping for it then. Well, yeah, that's unfortunate for us because we're not in the United States. Right. So I had to pay $7 for shipping. But it's I like the game so much because I love trains. And the components are so cool and beautiful. They're transparent track tiles that lay on top of each other. So the map looks like a subway map when you're done. It looks very cool. Yeah, and it's very beautiful. Um, so I'm... I'm I'm a little upset that I have to pay the $7, but also I would have been willing to pay that much more upfront for the game. So yep. it's worth it to me. Very cool. So, yeah. Adam, cool. what have you noticed this week? Um, not new to anyone, but or probably not new to anyone, but uh, finally uh, the Root Marauders expansion is coming out uh, at the beginning of next year. Um, this might be the coolest looking expansion for me for the root game uh it's supposed to do quite a bit for the two-player game and um i didn't know this until more recently because i was mostly excited for the two-player part but i guess there's a new card drafting mechanic because there was apparently a, a desire for this game to be more tournament quality in um competitions and tournaments and stuff so somehow with this uh, a new group of mini meeples or mini um, <laughs> factions that uh, help balance the game, there's a card drafting mechanic, uh, which is supposed to do quite a bit to make it even more fair. And I've read some reports of uh, fairly uh, well-versed two players finishing games at like 29 and 30 points each, which you don't get very often with the current version of Root, so... No, not this at all. one. I am quite excited for. Um, and then um, that's interesting to me. That's something I have never really considered is tournament level board games. Yeah, the the, the company's getting letter games. Was it letter leader? Yeah, leader. I think leader. Leader. Yeah. They're yeah. they're getting a lot of praise in the places that I've been reading about it because they are apparently just tuned in to the desire for this game to be more tournament friendly they've been doing Catan tournaments for a long time and they're huge yeah. and i think there's a lot of people who want other games to also be tournament because Catan has been around for a very long time and so people who are very good at it have kind of figured out how to win every single time pretty much sure. yeah so it's cool that one they were aware of the desire but then two also apparently executed very well and managed to pull it off. So um, apart from the cool new little factions, the badgers and brats and stuff, it's it's something I'm excited for. Cool. It's also yeah. just cute. It's, like it's it makes it even more cute. cute. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And then um, on the same sort of uh, long-scale news, um, I thought I would just briefly bring up uh, something that everyone in the D&D world is already aware of, but 5.5 uh, is something that people are looking forward to for um, the release in 2024, is what they've said. Um, I mention it because I'm interested to see, this will be kind of a neat a neat experiment because never before has D&D had such a widespread, well that's not true, such a widespread um sort of like what am i trying to say the amount of really it's... professional homebrew rules that are widely disseminated among people is really easy for people to access and i'm curious to see how much they incorporate just what like the sort of professional homebrews are doing as the problems that they've seen uh existing in the game and how right. that kind of stuff gets implemented from a more grassroots um, origin, yeah, which would be very new for this. There's quite a few publishing companies who are publishing their own storylines for D&D, which hasn't happened for D&D. It's happened for Pathfinder, but not D&D. 
in, not not to mention just like homebrew or uh, YouTubers and and bloggers and stuff that have really big followings and really professional level homebrews changing things that I think a lot of people see as maybe not optimal. So it'll be cool to see yeah. what they what they do, and uh, it's something I'm curious to follow, and it's it'll be more fun stuff to read. So that's all I have to say about that. All right, so let's head into our main topic for the week. Uh, we thought it would be fitting for our first episode for us to uh, go around and just kind of discuss what got us into the, the hobby in the first place and, and what our history with, with tabletop gaming is. So, Mish, I'm going to let you start this one off. How did you get into the board gaming hobby? Yeah, it's interesting. I don't actually fully remember how gaming started. Um Way, way back, I remember as a very young child playing Uno all the time with my siblings, playing Sorrow, Sorry, Sorrow, Sorry, Trouble, Racco, other games. Um, and then I remember my one friend, uh, Daryl, not the Daryl I'm usually going to talk about, the other Daryl. Um, <laughs> other Daryl. We played a lot of games as, yeah, I, there's multiple Daryls. We played games that his parents provided us as kids um so trivial pursuit they bought me for birthday one year but i can't remember if it was the family edition the junior edition or the kids edition but anyways it was so fun we played it a lot his dad bought him star wars stratego which was amazing oh, very cool super fun one person was the dark side one person was the jedis it's a good game um and then Disney Seen It, which I still have. If I ever find a DVD player again, I would love <laughs> to play that. It's very fun. Um, but then one year, I was at the cottage with my cousins, and they had Ticket to Ride. And that really... I mean, I'd played Catan before, but not introduced. it was not introduced as like a new type of board game. Ticket to Ride was the first time I realized there was more than just these basic dice rolling games. Because um, Ticket to Ride has no dice. And then after a couple of years, I met Matt, and then it just snowballed into a big collection of board games and playing multiple times a week and being here. I'm Ooh, honored. So, yeah. I'm honored to be part of your origin story. It wouldn't be the same without you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. So, uh, what are what are your favorite parts then uh, in the gaming hobby? Like, what what do you like to see in a board game? What gets you excited? Yeah. So I wouldn't consider myself a great strategist or a great keeping track of everything type of person. I don't love when I have to keep track of what other players are doing. Um, but my favorite parts are when something unexpected happens. Um, that's why I love betrayal. That's why I love things like ladies and gentlemen, because it's just, you. it's so random and just out there um tales of arabian nights is another amazing game that i love to play because you could never see what's going to happen it just happens and then everyone's laughing their heads off and having <laughs> a great old time um the other thing i like to do is cause as much chaos and throw people off their strategies rather than build my own <laughs> um so <laughs> When I'm playing Dominion with Matt and Hannah, I love it when we use the witch because it throws their decks off <laughs> and then I just do that the whole time. Or using the lizard cult in root and just randomly popping up that, in clearings to mess with them. That sounds like a dangerous strategy if you're playing with the wrong people. I'm sure <laughs> it, some people can is. get really oh, frustrated by that. <laughs> hey, oh, they can. It's happened. Yeah, um, yeah just different things. I've ever things, been like, frustrated. No, 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 I've never thrown you off your game. No, <laughs> no. Yeah, so I just, I love having a good time. I really don't care what game we're playing. I really don't care how good people think it is. If we're having a good time, it's a good game. Fun is goal number one. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Adam, let's, uh, let's move over to you. Uh, how did you get into the tabletop hobby? When trying to remember my child uh, experiences with games there was three i think that pop out as probably the sort of foundational parts to it and um the first would be maybe not the first but one of them would be a game called stratego have you guys heard of stratego yeah. i had a yeah. version called stratego legends which 
took Stratego to another level and added terrain tiles and magic powers and abilities. And um, this game of Stratego where you place your military officers in such a way that you're trying to hide and protect your flag and create little surprises for your opponent on a square board. Um, all the extra sort of fantasy aspects um, was definitely something that um, I wasn't seeing anywhere else. It it was it's the same kind of reason why I like reading the D and D books now. There's something about the lore in a game as silly as Stratego that I still found really interesting as a kid, and that it was being put into this kind of format. Um, so a game like like that, um, I played two games often with my old friend Joel, uh, which was two little kids trying to play chess uh, back then, <laughs> along with a game called Labyrinth, which is... Oh, we, we uh, have that one now. Yeah, Labyrinth is great. I love Labyrinth. I would actually like to play it again, I think, because I haven't, I haven't played it probably in over... Tomorrow night? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Labyrinth is this silly little game where there's all kinds of funny little maze pieces and you're trying to get from one place to another. I think my memory's a little foggy actually and you're and you're trying to get I think it's just from A to B, right? Is that right? You get a hand of yeah. cards and the cards match symbols on the board. So you're trying to right. get to each each of the symbols yeah. that you have. Yeah. So, um along with those three, a lot of family games like Monopoly and Life, which one day opened up in a similar kind of fashion as uh Meej to Settlers, and then all of a sudden this world exploded open and I was starting to see what else uh, was out there. So. Well, very cool. Um, so yeah, like uh, what get, what gets you excited about a particular game? What are some of your favorites or favorite things that you like to see in a, in a board game? I, there, I think there's two parts to this for me. There's a part that sucks me in initially and it may not be what makes a game good, but uh, I, I like when the theme of a game is working all together between the mechanics and the style and the, the mission that you're on so that everything is kind of like a little mini experience that's where all gears are in sync with each other. So um, to bring back Seasons, which, which came up uh, earlier, I really love that you're rolling the dice and it's like a spell that goes off and the dice are big and they match what you're trying to do and there's funny magical symbols on it and you're building a grimoire of cards and you're setting up this sort of like little funny magical library in front of you. Everything is kind of working all on par and they're all doing the same. Like the, the mechanics match the style of the game or, or a game like Root where your critters match, the birds are very governmental and your little woodland creatures are popping up. And they have their own sort of little culture almost in-game. Um, these sorts of things are, are what suck me into wanting to try it. Um, to create these little experiences, kind of like what Adam was talking about, where um, board games give you sort of a planned group surprise that you're all just waiting for the oh man i can't believe that happened and it's why you're all there mm -hmm. it's yeah. you know it, it's gonna happen but at the same time it's also legitimately surprising and fun so so yeah <coughs> obviously things like chess i like learning and there's a whole separate side to just getting better at something that yeah. you can get from from this hobby but um that's a that's not what probably gets gets me going. My story is pretty similar to all you guys' too. Started playing some games and stuff as a kid. Like, sorry, Monopoly. Uh, Rummy Cub was a big one for us. Uh, until my grandparents would get sick of us spending an hour trying to rearrange all the tiles on the board, trying to get the, the smiley face or the joker piece just to clear, clear your pieces <laughs> off your tray. But, uh, um, yeah, then <laughs> other than the old school board games as it were I started getting into tabletop hobbies through trading card games mostly the first one I ever got into was Yu-Gi-Oh 
Um, my sister and I both really, yeah, my sister and I both really liked the, the anime. So we had, uh, yeah, we, we got ourselves a couple of the starter decks. Uh, we knew our parents wouldn't approve of us spending our money on it. So I definitely just biked into town one day and, uh, bought us a bunch of cards and, uh, yeah, they weren't impressed when they found out, but, uh, Oh really? Yeah, but we, we, we did play, play the, that game to death. Uh, unfortunately I don't have any of those original cards anymore cause they eventually just got so worn out or whatever and just got, uh, thrown out at some point. But, uh, yeah, then from Yu-Gi-Oh, I got into magic a little bit in high school. I got introduced to it there. Uh, but unfortunately, I was one of the kids in high school that was too scared to actually sit down at the magic table and play magic due to what other people are going to say about me or to me. I was always too scared of what yeah. people would think of me. So I didn't really get into magic heavily until a few years later where I was really got into F&Ms and, F&Ms and doing local tournaments and that sort of thing. Um, wouldn't mind doing that again someday because that was that was super fun but it's not a cheap game either what does fnm oh. stand for oh friday night magic uh yeah do you still have all your cards oh no unfortunately not oh really i sold them no i sold a lot of my old yeah i went in really deep and then sold them like a year or two afterwards and uh, if i still had them i would have a lot more money for them than i got for them then but oh. alas <laughs> that's how that game works <laughs> uh, yeah i still have a handful of cards and whatnot but uh yeah then uh yeah from card games i got into warhammer uh a friend of mine lawrence he went on a trip to europe and while he was there they he ended up going into a games workshop store and while he was there he they uh they showed him how to paint a mini and he was able to paint a mini in the store and bring it home and that sort of thing but he was really intrigued by the the lord of the rings tabletop game uh this is within the yeah, recent time after the after the movies had come out and that sort of thing so uh lord of the rings was yeah super popular and whatnot so he picked up the lord of the Rings starter set and then he introduced me to it and then uh, i got into it with him a little bit we didn't we didn't play a lot but we we did some terrain building and we played the starter set a bunch of times and my wife and i ended up getting our own copy of the starter set and painting it up and uh yeah it was actually yeah my old minister my mom was painting at his house uh, she was a professional painter and she was doing some work at his house and she had noticed that he had a bunch of miniatures there and mentioned to him that i was just getting into it and was painting uh, painting some miniatures too so he right away jumped on that and invited us over and and showed us all his warhammer stuff oh, um, so great and yeah yeah it's so great so then uh, yeah we got into warhammer with him for a couple of years there and then he slowly started introducing us to his board game collection as well, like Settlers and Ticket to Ride Europe and a bunch of the uh, the older games and just kind of built from there. And eventually I met Matt and Mark as well and still play board games with those guys. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Is, is the miniatures thing kind of like magic where someone who has a really amazing collection is just going to decimate someone with the starters yes and no um because it's a lot more based on your dice and stuff you you can always have good things or bad things happening because there's there's still randomness involved but you can always your goal in a competitive army is to a lot or a lot of people will try to optimize that those random random chances and that sort of thing right so the the i think the tournament scene is fairly big still with with warhammer but that's not not something i've ever really got into anyone i've ever played with we've always been pretty casual you just take the funnest armies like um yeah my main army for a long time was the orcs and goblins army which is just filled with randomness like, there's a goblin that has straps a bomb into his helmet and then he just launches himself into the enemy um, <laughs> enemy army and just try to blow up as many enemy characters as possible but it's quite just as likely that, that like he's just my gonna, kind of army yeah it's just as likely that he's just gonna <laughs> fling off to the other side and hit his own guys and blow them up and that sort of thing so you just made me a lot more interested in this yeah there, there's a lot of fun to be had with with warhammer and so yeah, uh, yeah. My favorite parts of games, gaming, obviously, um, yeah, the social aspect. I would, I love to just meet people over board games, talk to people, or talk to people about board games. I'm not a person that enjoys the traditional sit down, enjoy a cup of coffee with a random stranger, and you just sit there and talk at each other. That always stresses <laughs> me out, and I hate that. But you invite me over for a board game, and I'm I'm 
more than likely to be obliged. Um, a game doesn't have to be thematic for me to enjoy it. I do appreciate a good theme, but uh, I, I really like to solve puzzles, uh, especially with limited inf information. That's why I like complex interactions with magic. You don't always know what your opponent's going to have, but you can make guesses depending on what kind of decks and stuff they're playing and just trying to make the best de decision. Or or like in Steam, you you assume you know what your, uh, um, your opponents are going to pick, so you, you try to choose your actions accordingly and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, but then, yeah, again, like I was saying with Warhammer, I can re also really appreciate the silliness and randomness of rolling some dice and just seeing what happens and, and the best interactions are the ones that are just happen outside of the normal spectrum of like statistical pro probability. Like you just get those, those snake eyes or those boxcars and, <laughs> and excellent things happen. And yeah, I also am a big fan of high quality com uh, components and cards and miniatures and that sort make of thing pretty really like a good well-painted yeah make it pretty <laughs> show me your well-painted warhammer armies mr matthew i got into uh gaming probably around high school i mean we played card game millborns hannah's gonna love that i pronounce that that way and monopoly and that kind of thing when i was young played mastermind at grandpa and grandma's house but um in high school we played risk a few times and out of that we started going to mark's house and playing settlers of Catan, and we played that all through high school so probably a good four years or five years every sunday we played twice in the afternoon that That's evolved <laughs> yeah yeah it's quite a bit i'm probably not any better than when I started, but it's and yet you still <laughs> don't fun, like fun cities and nights. I don't get it. No, not a big fan. I'm much bigger fan of seafarers. I I love exploration oh, in games. <laughs> and out of that, we we uh, eventually rolled in Bonanza into there, the bean game, Ticket to Ride, the train game, Carcassonne, Dominion, and bada bing, bada boom. That evolved into all the modern games that we love playing now i currently were you play... trying to say that bada bim bada boom is a game no or are you just saying that as a, a segue yeah absolutely it, we went from dominion oh, well bada bing bada boom every other game on the planet nice and smooth yep, Got that's it, it. <laughs> and my favorite parts of the hobby are it's got to be theme and story if you're you're tossing me into a whole world that's built within your board game. I love that. And especially that comes through in campaign style games like um, Gloomhaven. My wife and I played through all of Gloomhaven with me jumping in probably every second or third game. And Mark and Greg would jump in every once in a while too. And we played through the whole campaign, and then we played all the missions that we didn't play in the campaign, and then we played all the all the missions we didn't find in the cards. We went through and did that. We bought the expansion, played through that. Didn't beat the last boss in that expansion. We've tried four or five times. Just so hard. But then we bought Jaws of the Lion and played through that as well. Just the, the theme and the story come out in there, and I just love that. Not big into abstract games. Like uh, we played Azul once. Meej owns that one, and eh, I just can't get into it. I, I don't know what it is, but maybe there's an abstract out there that I'll love. But so far, I haven't found it. I love to take games and role play within the space that they provide as well. So, like <laughs> Meej was saying, ladies and gentlemen, if you're so if you're going to be a lady, then I want to hear your really high British accent. If you're going to be a gentleman, then <laughs> right. you're going to talk about how hard you worked, and now your wife is going to blow it all on these shoes. It's just really funny to me. <laughs> we love playing cool. uh, Gloomhaven, Great Western Trail, Concordia, Near and Far, and Dominion are some of our favorite and most played games. I, also... I think the most excited... The most excited I've seen you is when you pre-ordered the expansion for Salt, for Concordia, for Salsa, and all you could tell me was you were so excited about Salt. <laughs> 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 Often people in, 
in our lives don't understand how exciting something as mundane as salt can be. But it's just super fun. And I also love love groups of people coming together and playing a game. Like I own Wings of War and a bunch of the expansions for that and taking it up to the cottage with eight different people on a big table. Everybody picks two planes and you got 16 planes flying around shooting each other and people trying to reach over each other. Oh, it's just so much fun. All right. So let's uh, quickly go around just for, for a minute and... Uh... Everyone, just tell me what you're what you're most excited about um, coming up in board gaming. Like, what's what's one of your future plans? Maybe you have, or just just maybe a game that's coming out that you're really excited about. Let's start with you, Matt. What's what's got you excited uh, well, for the future? Already mentioned hegemony. That looked cool. I followed a game called Mythwind and the progress of making that over the past year or so. And I hummed and hawed over actually kickstarting it or not, and I chose not to. I, if I would have, it would have been about 175 bucks plus shipping to get it here. So that Ow. was really... <laughs> yeah, that That's all in with an expansion already and a bunch of minis that were added on and that kind of thing. But I figured if I was going to do it, it was either 100 bucks or the 175 to get go all in. So I I passed on that, but I'll probably pick it up at some point. I it has no ending scenario, like no end goal. So you play it for as long as you want on a particular day and as long as you want throughout its span, which was really interesting to me. Um, I'm looking for a small card game called Innovation. I've heard a bunch about it on different podcasts, and it seems really interesting. I want to play Sonar, as I, I recently picked that one up. It seems really fun. Uh, Submarine-based game, real-time. Uh, team, one team against another team. It's two to four players. And it's a derivative of Captain Sonar, I believe, which is an eight-player game. Yep. Means you own that one, hey? Yeah, it's one of the most stressful things I've ever played in my life. <laughs> and I definitely want to play it. I don't love being stressed out, oh, man. just being able to there... immerse yourself in that theme and really go for your role. It sounds like a lot of fun. Get it? Immerse in a submarine? Auga. Yeah, that was a really good pun. <laughs> I'm full of those. I also yeah. um, kickstarted Frosthaven, which is the next in the line of Gloomhaven games that should be coming out quarter one of 2022 um, I'm also looking for Sleeping Gods by Red Raven Games and Ryan Lockett and I have pre-ordered Now or Never which is the third Arzeum game in the series with Above and Below and Near and Far so I'm really looking forward to that Hannah and I play Near and Far all the time and Meech jumps in there as well so that's what I'm looking forward to. Very cool. What about you, Adam? What are you looking forward to? Not too much that I haven't said. Like I said earlier, the uh, Root expansion is something that I'm excited for. Um, I will continue to do my little chess practicing. Um, I'm continuing to do some D&D reading for campaigns that may or may not ever happen, but I enjoy reading about. And then, generally speaking, I think out of the four of us, I probably have the smallest library. So, in general, my future plans are just to play all the things that you guys have and continue to... <laughs> um, You're welcome to. Yeah, yeah. to, to see Absolutely. what's out there. Um, so, that's that's about it for me. Cool. Meech? Yeah. Um, the one game that... Don't remember if it was just released or released this month that I'm looking forward to is Machi Koro 2. I it really irks me that they decided to make it Machi Koro 2 instead of like thinking of a new title, but I'll forgive them because the first game is really good and I'm excited about the second one. Um other than that, I me and a group of friends have been doing these murder mystery box games. They're super cheap. You can find them on Amazon for like 20 bucks. And oh. it's really cool. Rather than everyone having a role and having to improv and everything you actually right. get a booklet and an audio file goes along with it and walks you through and you read you read your character's parts and then it gives you time to discuss what's been happening so we all get costumed up and role play it but it's really good because then if you have someone who's not as comfortable they have a script yeah 
um, which is great. That's cool. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Hmm. Um, yeah, and I just I we've been playing a bit more Dominion lately, and I played Ticket to Ride with some friends the other week, and I just I'm really missing those old classics, and I I'm excited to start getting back into them because they're really good, and we tend to just let them slide because there's so many cool new games. Yep. I do want to yeah, keep seeing problem. Dominion cards. Oh, so good. Yeah, so for myself, um, over the last week or so, I've I've ordered a lot of games. So I'm excited to get those in. Uh, I've been doing a bunch of Christ- Christmas shopping and having to throw in a couple extra ones just to make sure I get the free shipping and that sort of thing. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> well, yeah. you have to. Don't want to pay for shipping. No, for sure. Um, so yeah, I got a... Like I said earlier, I pre-ordered the new printing of Stardew Valley that might come this year, probably not till early next year by the sounds of it. Um, Live stream. Yeah, and then I, after our previous conversations, I've I've been wanting to try Hive for a while, so I got Hive Carbon Edition, so I'm excited to give that mm-hmm. one a go. And I got the Ashes Rise of the Phoenix board upgrade pack. So over the last year um, or so, Plaid Hat had put out... Um, just a bunch of new rules for the game, reprinted a whole bunch of the cards. So, because I, I had the base version of the game, and then this upgrade pack just gives you all the new printings of all the new cards um, for all the different decks and that sort of thing. Um, all, all just to the new updated rule set. So, you don't have to throw out your old game and buy a new game. You can just buy the upgrade pack and swap out the cards that need to be swapped out. So, I'm pick that oh, up. Nice. Yeah. And um, for my kids, I ordered them a really cool sounding game called Monster Baby Rescue. <laughs> And that's going to be one of their Christmas presents. And, I, uh, I don't know anything about that game, but it yeah. sounds ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It sounds... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, I watched uh, the Dice Tower review of it, and uh, yeah, it looked pretty interesting. So and I think they're going to have fun with it. You get to, uh, this little baby monster. He's in a cage, and yeah, you're trying to help him out, but you get to upgrade him. He gets a bunch of... There's like four different sections, three or four different sections of the monster, so you can like upgrade his head, and you can upgrade his legs, and you can upgrade his torso, and they're just different tiles that you stack up. <laughs> and then... The, Sounds better than I expected. Yeah, the, strong, the stronger he gets, he gets like a bigger fireball coming out of his mouth if you're the dragon or whatever. And yeah, it just looks really <laughs> cute and fun, so we're excited for that one. Nice. Yeah. Okay, so thanks for listening to this first-tier episode of the Turn Turtle Board Gaming Podcast. If you would like to be part of the show, feel free to send us an email at theturnturtles at gmail.com or catch us on any of the social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at TurnTurtlesBG. And be sure to tune in every other Thursday for the new episode of the Turn Turtles Board Gaming Podcast. <laughs>